What's up, everybody? Welcome to another edition of the TT Podcast. It's episode number 26, and today I am joined by Prince. Hey there. How are you doing today? Pretty good. Pretty good. Had a fairly busy day. Oh, well, I've, I've been off today. I oh. have not been doing anything. Except for playing video games, obviously. Excellent. <laughs> yes, it's wonderful. Uh, so, today is going to be a pretty uh, interesting show. We've got a little bit of news, nothing too major. Uh, we are going to discuss the implications of the Switch on Sony, and then if you stick around to the end, we are going to finally just be discussing Final Fantasy XV. We're going to just like talk about the spoilers and all the stuff we love and get it out of our system so you never have to hear about it again. Um, <laughs> well, there's four DLCs. <laughs> Jesus. Uh, our apologies in advance. We'll have to do several of these podcasts. Um, <laughs> no, but I, I'm with you. We're, we're going to cordon off. We're going to say, okay, that's it. After this, we're retiring it until something new happens. Yeah, I think at this point, you've got the platinum, right? Uh, well, I'm, yeah, I basically have it. Yeah, okay, and I, I just got it yesterday, so there's not a lot left to talk about. <laughs> um, so we're going to say those so, spoilers until after, to the end of the podcast, so you can bear with yes, us even so, if you haven't finished it. Yeah, so that way you don't have to worry about us dropping spoilers in the middle. Uh, it'll save it till the end, and then that you can just tune out at the end if you don't want to hear it. Um, all right, so first things first, we'll jump into the news. Uh, so it turns out that Mass Effect Andromeda's release date is indeed, what was it, March 21st in North America. Pretty soon. Um, yeah, you guys will get it in uh, on the 23rd. So uh, it turns out that that listing for, what was it, the uh, art book or whatever it was mm-hmm. that they posted on Amazon, turns out that that date was correct. Huh. So surprise, surprise. Um. I mean, that's PS- good. It feels like it's we've kind of been not knowing a lot about it for quite a while now, and then all of a sudden it's just a couple months away. Yeah, I mean, it's basically right around the corner. And actually, I was going to plug this at the end, um, but uh, Mark Delaney wrote uh, an editorial, Should We Be Concerned About Mass Effect Andromeda, which is basically that we haven't been hearing a whole lot about it, yeah. um, and <laughs> the game is only a few months away. Uh Though, I mean, since he's written that, I think there's been uh, more than a few things that have come up and they've been dropping trailers and whatever. So mm-hmm. it seems like they're just going with a uh, sort of Fallout 4 style where, you know, they're saving everything till the end. They're just going to blitz you with all sorts of media and stuff and then just release the game. Um, but definitely recommend that you read that. Mm-hmm. Um, the PS4 has sold 53 million units. Uh, I believe this is as of December 21st. Uh, they were talking about it at uh, CES, um, along with Uncharted, which has now sold through 8.7 million units. And I think it sold something in the neighborhood of like 3.4 million in just the first month alone. So, Is that for the series or for the fourth game? Oh, uh, sorry. That is uh, for Uncharted 4, if I'm not mistaken. Yeah, ah. Uncharted 4. I just want to make sure that I wasn't mixing things up. Yeah, Uncharted 4 sold 8.7 million units. That's a good healthy number, especially for an exclusive. Yeah, absolutely. Um, I mean, if you remember, like, some of the big games that Square was releasing a few years ago, they did, uh, what was it, Hitman and Tomb Raider and whatever. Mm-hmm. And they were, like, expecting 5 million units, and those were multi-platform. Yeah. Um, so for Uncharted to sell 8.7 million that's pretty good. Uh, granted, it's probably the the flagship uh, <laughs> franchise for Sony. So I feel like it deserves it. It did win our site Game of the Year after all. So. That's true. Um, 
the Game of the Year voting has uh, concluded, and Uncharted 4 did win Game of the Year. Mm-hmm. Um, I'll make sure I include a link, uh, but it should be right at the top of the TT page right now anyways. Right. Um, so you and can that just was jump the on user there. votes, right? That was the user votes, yeah. Um, unfortunately, we didn't end up doing a staff one this year, I think, because uh, just reasons. Um, <laughs> yeah, uh, it's User votes, what, what headlines? Yeah, I mean, who who really cares what we think? Everybody wants to know what you think. So, um, so those those are just numbers. Uh, maybe perhaps a little bit more interesting and uh, gossip worthy is uh, the uh, game known as Rhyme, which was previously a PS4 exclusive, mm-hmm. uh, has been re-revealed. It is no longer a an exclusive, um, and it will be coming out, and it will be coming to PS4. So mm-hmm. there is that. It's a little uh, bit funky you... when they do that, but it looks nice, and uh, yeah, it's, it's a... still coming to PS4. And so, yeah, it's uh, it is a very pretty looking game. Um, the the development story of this game is uh, sort of unfortunate because uh, you know it was revealed forever ago as a PS4 exclusive. It may have been revealed. What was it? The announcement or the E3 there just after, um, and. Basically, they they were working on this game and they weren't meeting Sony's expectations. So allegedly, Sony basically just walked into the development studio and took back all of their um, uh, development kits. Oh <laughs> so, no! Yeah, that's that's not great when that happens. Um, so we don't know what the hell actually happened, and you know we may never know the story. Um, Though whoever is, um, they, they've got somebody else publishing now, and presumably they got the uh, PS4 development kits that way. Mm-hmm. Um, but that is not a great show of confidence, even if it is a rather pretty looking game. Mm. I hope that one day we can find out, especially with currently we have a lot of different names who are quite good at speaking to developers behind the scenes, especially after the fact, and uh, getting an yeah. inside scoop. Yeah, uh, there's been a very good, uh, there's been an increase in proper journalism in video games this mm-hmm. past year, though it's not like all over the place, granted. It is still a market improvement from 2015. Yeah. Um, you've got a lot of stuff coming out of like Polygon, Otaku, uh, Kotaku, um, the new Rolling Stone one, Glixel, has been doing pretty well. And then. Okay. Um, if you haven't watched the Danny O'Dwyer no clip stuff, he's doing that stuff too. So, mm-hmm. um, yeah, a lot, a lot more uh, journalism going on lately, which is nice to see. Mm. So, yeah, maybe one day we will actually find out. I'm just honestly, I think probably more likely is that if this game doesn't do particularly well, nobody's really going to care to know. <laughs> yeah. So, well, hopefully, it does few, do well. I've seen a few features lately. About old games like, um, I don't know, um, a lot of uh, GameCube games or so on that would have been made. Like, say, the Star Wars, what's the name of the series on Star um, Star Wars on GameCube? Oh, um, are you talking about the Rogue Squadron stuff? Yeah. TIE Fighter? That that series and the developers behind it and what they would have made and uh, why they couldn't and uh, so on. Like, a number of... That kind of things, and you can't really read about it unless someone has done an investigation into it. Well, someone, not an investigation in the police sense, but like, like yeah. you said, journalism, um, and published the facts. Well, 
publish their findings after the fact. And I find that quite interesting just to kind of hear a bit behind the scenes about good and bad projects. Yeah, definitely. It's always enlightening to see how things worked and realistically from like a business sense, how things went wrong. Mm -hmm. Um, And in a lot of cases, like you said, unless somebody really goes digging, a lot of this stuff won't come out just by the nature of it. Uh, Like something like that, you know, people are sometimes realistically embarrassed. You've got this thing, they put a lot of money into it or whatever. And like, you know, maybe they, they probably don't want to talk about it. So unless you really ask them about it, it's not going to come out. <laughs> yeah. Um, but, so that's Rhyme. Uh, should be coming out soon. Um, there are some, there's a, a video and a whole bunch of screenshots. If you want to take that, take a look at that. That's all on the site. Um, and then finally, uh, there the For Honor closed beta is open for registration. So I'll make sure I put a link in to uh, fill that out. Ah, worth a spin. Yeah. Uh, oh, and there is, if I remember reading correctly, uh, so they're doing a war of the factions. So if you participate and your faction happens to do better than the other two, then you're supposed to get something in the full game. Uh, but okay. we don't know, I don't think, specifically what that is. So There's some kind of reward, potentially. Yeah, yeah, so, some kind of something. So uh, I'll leave a link for that. But that's, for the most part, about it. Obviously, you know, it's still kind of slow and not a whole lot of stuff going on. It's Mm. still in the post-holiday season. People are still getting back to work and getting themselves together and everything. Uh, Except for Nintendo. (laughs) Uh, So, for the topic of the week, uh, the Switch has been properly revealed. Like, they, they did a whole presentation on the Switch and whatever else. And so, it leaves us wondering... How does this compete with Sony? Okay. So, what do you think? I think that's a very good question. I like the way that it's phrased, actually. The particular way in it's phrased. How does the Switch compete with Sony? So I guess you can kind of read it in two ways. Um, Mm. I forgot, my mind's gone blank. (laughs) Um, I would say it's got two problems. One is, um, is it going to try and compete? Like, it's coming out... Uh, now we have the price. It's coming out at basically more than a PS4 these days, a uh, cheap yes. PS4. Um, and on the other hand, on the hardware side, it doesn't compete at all. It's not even close. Um, right. So, I don't know. How does the Switch compete? Comes to me like, um, what is Nintendo going to do to right. make themselves sell to potentially, or most likely, a different audience? Uh, to Sony. Yeah. So I was I was just reading something, and um, Nintendo asserted that the Switch is a essentially a home console that you can take with you on the go. Mm. They're they're trying to say you know it's not a handheld, it's not meant to replace you know the 3DS and stuff like that. It's a console that you can take yeah, with you. Sure. <laughs> uh, which which uh, again, yeah, that was kind of my reaction. Was like. I was thinking, so what does this potentially do for Sony? What does Sony want to look out for? And my first reaction was, well, they've got this Vita that they kind of have been, you know, distancing themselves from. Mm. And now they've got this Switch competitor. And being realistic on on the handheld side, I feel like the Switch would just blow the Vita out of the water. It's 
you know, exactly what the Vita was supposed to be sort of anyways. Mm -hmm. And even so much so that eventually Sony released Vita TV so that you could play your Vita on your TV. Um, So, but is that actually the case? Like, you know, I feel like the 3DS is way, way more threatening to Vita than the Switch is. Um, I can kind of see it two ways, because on one hand, the 3DS was a much more successful uh, handheld in the traditional thoroughly divided sense, in that yeah. the 3DS is what you would take in your pocket, like on a plane, uh, or like, because you want to place a thoroughly portable game like Fire yeah. Emblem or Advance Wars or whatever. Like, I can't play Advance Wars on 3DS, but I'm still dreaming. <laughs> yeah, right. But, um, whereas on the other hand, like you said, the Vita is something that was always promised as console gaming on the go. I think at that time it was like PS3 gaming on the go, but now you've got yeah. the Switch, which is a much more um, powerful console light. Uh, it's sort of powerful for, well, it's extremely powerful for a handheld and very light yeah. for a home console by today's generation. But I think still more powerful than the Wii U because it it's targeting 1080 uh, 60 so what? in many ways it's much much more powerful than the Vita and given that it has a bigger screen size and not to mention the fact you can actually plug it in and play it like a console it trumps the Vita in every regard I don't know if I'm just repeating what you said but um, yeah. I think yeah, it's, it's completely leaked apart so and then I have to obviously ask, so, yeah, that's obviously the case. It definitely trounces the Vita, right? But does Sony care, A, that, you know, the Switch is going to come out and blow the Vita out of the water? Because realistically, it's not like they care very much about the Vita anymore anyways. Like, the, yeah, they, they you know, pull Geo Corsi out on, at PSX, and he does, and on the Vita, you know. <laughs> yeah, but it realistically, in hand and all that. Yeah, but realistically, I mean, out of 365 days in the year, they devoted like 20 minutes on stage, and that's about all you get out of Sony for the Vita. All right. And the second part of the question is, Sony doesn't really care about the Vita. The Vita never really did very well. Mm -hmm. The fact that the Switch is essentially a Super Vita, is that a good thing? Like, does Does Nintendo necessarily want that? Uh, Does Nintendo want what? Sorry. Does Nintendo want to be a better Vita? Ah. Do, do, do they want the Switch, really, to be a better Vita if, you know, the Vita didn't really deliver anyways? Yeah, um, I think I see. So Nintendo's famous for basically leading and creating their own ideas, but perhaps yeah. uh, you could say that this is the Vita's idea taken and improved. Um, yes. I feel like from where I stand, maybe it's because I'm something of an optimist when it comes to uh, the future of games, but I feel like Nintendo worked it backwards rather than from the beat up. They looked at the Wii U and its successor, let's say, like the PS4 competitor, and worked it downwards um, to make that portable. Um, So, I don't know. That does make sense, yeah. I mean, the Vita being more of a successor to the... uh... PSP hmm. more than it is a PS3 on the go. Hmm. 
I feel like the Vita and also the PSP's failing was trying to take the Game Boy Advance and the DS and work it upwards um, mm. by basically making it too much and too cold. Like, it lost the the fun and the soul of the GBA and especially the DS, which had many more features. Um, yeah. And it made it basically just like a super featherweight um like a flyweight of the PS3, more like a PS2, so it didn't have any punch left in its... Like, it was basically punching out of its weight, whereas the Switch, um, in the handhold arena, it's, like, way outmatched, and and in the home console arena, then it's got a problem, but that's why Nintendo pitched itself differently. Yeah, I mean, to be fair, compared to Sony and the Vita, being realistic, the Switch is going to have a Zelda game on launch day, and it's going to have Mario before the end of the year. So okay. that's that's like if they had put, you know, Uncharted, Golden Abyss, and Killzone Mercenary coming out within, what was it, six months of each other or whatever. Right. Um, I Didn't Uncharted, Golden Abyss come out relatively early in the Vita cycle? Uh, I had it when I honest, got a Vita because I had it on plus so <laughs> yeah to be completely honest I don't remember I, I own it now um, mm. but at the time I didn't have a Vita so I wasn't really paying attention to it but um, it, it's and even that comparison really doesn't work because I mean Killzone Mercenary is not you know a Zelda or Mario level game mm. you know I would say Uncharted is one of the best Vita games um, but it's not like Oh, I had Uncharted Four on the Vita. Like that's not. Whereas Zelda is the full Zelda sequel, and Mario, by the looks of it, is the next three D Mario, which is huge. Um, it's not even like one of those two D Mario's that they've been doing. Very popular, they sell very well, but they're not the revolution that the three D Mario's are. Um, so these are like the next big thing, but in your portable mode. Yeah. Oh, just as a side note. Because and I know everybody's ragging on Mario for the Sonic thing, but it really did. Like I went, oh my god, it's Mario Adventure. Uh, what do you mean that? Well, catch me up on this. Maybe it sounds like something I've not been paying attention to. Um. So I mean, you you saw the event and you saw the Mario game in whatever city that was, right? Yeah. It kind of that that setting kind of reminded me of Sonic Adventure from forever ago. Oh, Which I actually like Sonic Adventure. Well, I like Sonic Adventure too more. But... Well, I enjoyed it, but I I cannot say with a straight face that that's really a good game. <laughs> you well, know, I think Sonic Adventure Two Battle was good. Maybe it's because I had limited selection on the GameCube, but I feel like I guess I can agree that it's no Sonic Two or Sonic Advance Two. Uh, yeah. Those are like the core Sonic games, and they're much better in quality, or at least have less faults mm. um so realistically i mean the switch should trounce the vita and it's probably going to be the end of the vita mm-hmm. um so to me it sounds like we kind of agree that it's probably going to be fighting for the console space that's going to be the tough part yeah and going to be necessary for the switch to be successful which sounds like a huge problem because okay. it's not that powerful yeah, well, is is your major concern the power? 
Yes, but not because uh not because I want the games to look great, but because once again, here we have an underpowered system mm-hmm. and will developers really port stuff to this? It's like mm-hmm. You know, they've got Skyrim, Borderlands 3, they just said were, it was not likely going to be coming to the Switch because Nintendo is just not even interested. Mm-hmm. They like they were talking to Nintendo and talks with Nintendo just fell through. They just like stopped responding or something. <laughs> so it's like, and that has long been Nintendo's problem. So unless, you know, was it 1-2 Switch or whatever, and Zelda and Mario are really that good, you're looking at kind of a dead, dead system. <laughs> so, and, so you're now uh, concerned about the third party support, right? Yeah, like I think because realistically, you've got so you say Zelda comes out on launch day, you get Mario by the end of the year. Splatoon two is already in the works, but it's a small little thing, and unless the next one is a huge hit, it could very easily fall into the uh, Pikmin category. Fun, great game that diehard fans love that nobody else plays. Yeah, you know? I think so. Possible. And then at some point you're going to have Mario Kart and Smash, um, but we have no indication that this is going to be drastically different from the previous entries. So realistically, you're looking at two first-party games plus a couple of smaller unproven things like 1-2-Switch and ARMS, and then what? Um, just... You know. uh... One uh, interjection is sure. that Splatoon has been... I mean, I quickly did a search of Splatoon sales, and I've mm-hmm. got results saying Splatoon joins Wii U bestseller list with 4 million sales, and that's uh, written by GameSpot. Uh, mm. I'd say that's pretty very good for the Wii U, <laughs> considering how few were sold. Um, yeah, I mean, it's, it's one of those things. It's like, so 4 million and how many... Did the Wii U actually hit 10 million? It must have, right? I but, feel like, yeah. Maybe. So that, that's, that's an amazing attach rate. Yeah. However, who bought a Wii U? Mm-hmm. Because if it is those people that love Pikmin or whatever, you know, the diehard fans, then yeah. that doesn't really fix the problem, you know? Yeah, certainly. Uh, I feel like Splatoon's probably not going to be a system seller to new players, but it might be a system seller to old players because I think... It's, That's it's deceptive in how how popular it was. Um, mm-hmm. The other advantage of it is that it's a shooter that's also applicable to young gamers. Uh, so yeah, it's a kid friendly shooter. Kids, yeah. So mm-hmm. I feel like that could sell fairly well, but yeah, you're not gonna get you're not gonna go up to um, you know your aunt and say like your aunt's not gonna know what Splatoon is and she's not gonna buy a, a Switch for the same way that she might have bought a Wii. Um, yeah, because of Splatoon. Yeah. Um, well. One of the things with the um, the upcoming games uh, calendar is that they have put Mario at the end of the year for the holiday. That's going to be a system seller, no question about it. Um, Absolutely. And they've put Zelda as an actual launch title confirmed quite dramatically in the presentation. Yeah. Um, and in between, they've dotted out things like Mario Kart 8 Deluxe, which... Um, I think could be a system seller, if I'm honest. Um, it did sell a lot of Wii U's, uh, the original yeah. version. Um, and then things like Splatoon, uh, what else is in there? Arms is coming out a bit later. Um, yeah. Things like that. So even though the launch lineup is uh, slim, <laughs> you've got yeah. this kind of measured pace, which I feel may be deliberate, maybe coincidence, um, mm. which 
is probably their antidote to the third party situation. I, I'm sure they hope to have things next year from third parties, but certainly right. they don't have now a lot. Yeah. Um, you know, in, in the Mario Kart Deluxe and whatever else, and, and they can space it all out. They did that with the Wii U and they've done that before and it, it's worked all right for them. Mm-hmm. Um, but like even Mario Kart 8 Deluxe is like, well, is it going to be a system seller? Like normally it would be if it was actually a new entry. But They should have just called it Mario Kart 9. For goodness sake, Nintendo. Realistically. Yeah, because it's like being realistic, you know, and, and semi-obviously, Nintendo tends to geared towards a, a younger audience. And if you, you know, mom walks in and doesn't know anything about games, whoever, you know, they, they might walk up and be like, but why would I spend $300 on this when I can get the Wii U for half the price, you know, and get get the Mario Kart game and the, the Smash Brothers game that my kids always play or mm-hmm. whatever, you know. To be fair, to those people, I would say that's actually a good idea because... You yeah. can get the you can get the Wii U for a steal and Marika for a fairly good price and the amount of yeah. playtime available in that game. I mean, my best friend and I we play it like we still play it and I bought it on launch. Um yeah. so like we not, you can not just anything play against it those over games. and over again. Yeah. Nothing against those games. They're, they're great games and uh, you know, if you care to play them I advise you to. They're fun. Mm-hmm. But I that kind of steals some of that thunder of those games being system sellers. You yeah. know, like if the you Wii. Have them on either. Why would I buy a U if I have the Wii? And, and I mean, in in some ways, it's like, like I bought a Wii U and I I didn't get a whole lot of use out of it, mm-hmm. and it's kind of sitting there, and I was like, oh well, the Switch, and it's like, well, Breath of the Wild is coming to the Wii U. Mm-hmm. Uh, Mario Kart Eight Deluxe. Do I really care that much about a couple extra levels or whatever? You know, it's like. In some ways, you know, the people that already felt burned for investing on this Wii U thing that they basically just kind of left to die for the past couple of years, it's going to be hard to get them to buy a Switch, except that they probably will because they're diehard Nintendo fans. Um, But that's the thing. I feel like um, anyone who has an opinion on the Wii U already knows too much to be the the sort of the difference makers, the big sell that they, they need. Yeah. Um, so I, I don't know for people like yourself who had one and did feel burned legitimately. Um, like you have, you know enough about the situation to make the informed decision. You're not, which means, which is to say that you're not someone who needs to be sold on a one-liner. You're not someone who needs to hear like, oh, hey, there's a new Mario game, and like that's it. That's all you need to know. Um, or have you heard yeah. about this new Switch thing? Like that's you know a lot more than that. Yeah, certainly. And I mean, realistically, I'm always probably going to be a sucker for Nintendo stuff, and I'll probably buy it regardless. <laughs> uh, I mean, it's it's funny because you know they they have short sort of you know this. Oh, we had th- third party support, and every time I'm like, oh yeah, sure you do, and then I go and buy it, and then I get burned, and then I do it again, <laughs> and then I buy all the virtual console games again, and. Mm-hmm. But anyways, so sort of our ruminations on that. Did you have anything to add as it pertains to Sony? I feel like... Yeah, I, feel I, was, like just thinking that. I was just thinking, how can I bring it back to um, yeah, the trophy side? I, I feel like, so 
I mean, it's going to leave the Vita in the dust, and the Vita is going to keep doing what the Vita does, I think. You'll still get some indie games and whatever else. I don't think the Switch is necessarily going to kill it. Obviously, nobody's buying a Vita now anyways, so it doesn't really matter. Um, And then, as it pertains to the PS4, I feel like they are just kind of in completely different fields. Like, Mm -hmm. watching the Switch, I, I sat there and I was like, this feels like a toy. You know, this feels like for the first time in a while that Nintendo is just making a toy. Like, especially uh-huh. with, like, the one-two Switch stuff where you're not even looking at the screen. You're just, you know, playing whatever game. Uh, I, you know. I don't know which kind of, well, I mean, normally people would say over the internet, you don't know which tone someone's typing in. I'm listening to your voice. So I don't know which tone you're conveying in. Um, yeah. I feel like it, when you say toy, do you mean affectionately or do you mean derogative? Oh, yeah, yeah. I, I don't, I don't, I don't know that I mean it necessarily one way or the other. Okay. I mean, the kind of the nature of any toy is that if it's of good quality, it's fun to play with, you know? I mean, so, can I, the, uh, forgive me if it, it's like putting words into your mouth, but could I say perhaps as an alternative way of saying it, uh, it feels like a game? Yeah, I mean, the game would kind of apply, certainly. Yeah. That's, that's sort of how I, I mean it, too, is like, it almost fits perfectly into a, I'm going to bring it to my friend's house and we're just going to do this thing mm-hmm. in the same way you might talk about a board game, you yeah. know, well, we're gonna like play. all that realistically, like I watched that whole thing and the main appeal to me was like the one, two switch stuff that, yeah. that actually as simple and dumb as it is. I feel like it's something like you go home for Christmas or whatever. That's totally something you can sit down with your family and play for like an hour and have a blast. And then do it again next year, you know? Good. Well, that's that was basically the number one most fun thing about the Wii. I don't mean Absolutely. to harken back to the motion control waggle area uh, era, but um, I well, feel like... they do, so... <laughs> yeah, they do, but I feel like, well, for one, they're, they're claiming a, a more relevant uh, tactile feel, especially with uh, HD Rumble. Dare I say HD Rumble out loud, but... Yeah. Um, I feel like... They're going for something different this time in the way that, for one, one two switch is. I don't. That sounded better in my head. (laughs) One two switch. First of all, um, its main focus appears to be on looking into the eyes of the other player. So it's sort of not only is it saying, "Hey, look, we're coming to a transition where you don't need the screen so much," but also this is personal. This is you and the other guy. It's a duel. It's a standoff. It's like, yeah. It's connection I mean, through your eyes. Like, like, if you can imagine lightning bolts shooting between, that's what we're going for. <laughs> yeah, it, it seems like... Can you imagine a, um, a WarioWare-type yeah, game? Exactly. Like, that, I feel like that would be great. A WarioWare yeah. would kill it. <laughs> it would be so yeah. good on Switch. Um, but the, the other thing, actually, again, relevant to the PlayStation um, side is, did you ever play a game called Sports Friends? No, I didn't. I heard good things, though. So Sports Friends was kind of coming out for a while and um, they were trying to get it to work well with the move and they were, I think they were t- messing around trying to find a solution that worked just right. Eventually they released it on PS3 with uh, PS Move on PS3 um, and that system is not great but one of the things it does well is it uses the camera to track where you're holding the uh, PS Move controller which um, you may remember or you may actually more recently be able to think of uh, has a light bulb on the end um, yeah. and 
they had if you had two moves, I think I think it was two moves you needed. Um, there was one which was basically like jousting, and yeah. so that was that you can have two people standing in a room. And mm-hmm. actually, I think um, how did it work? It's been like a year or two since I played it, but I remember playing it with my cousin and you have to kind of like leap at each other and try and get it. And it's like, it's the kind of like video games don't get that physical and just laugh out loud. They just don't sort of have a blast like that with many games other than frankly, the Wii U, Uh, sorry, the Wii original Um, things like, I don't say, dare say tennis or boxing, but um, the good ones, you know, (laughs) so we actually enjoyed tennis. Yeah. Everyone um, loves it yeah. now, but it was. Fun. Yeah, I feel like I I saw was it Sports Friends? I feel like an indie dev was making something sort of like that for mm-hmm. for the PS4 or something, and it was a move controller or something or other. Very similar premise, like there were different objectives, and like you had to like try and block the other person's move wand so that it, the camera couldn't see it or something. Yeah, or, I think that's uh, that was it. Yeah, yeah. So. Yeah, that sounded like a blast. I don't know whatever happened to that. But the problem with Sports Friends was basically that was the only good game in it. Whereas yeah. One Two Switch has got however many. I feel like One Two Switch being a full price game is a whole other issue. But on the sort of if we consider it on the same playing field as Wii Sports and Wii Party, like you can see the merit in it. Yeah, um, and then as a side note, uh, we do know that. Uh, Nintendo will be charging for online play and the like, mm. and that there is some kind of PS Plus games style thing where you get basically one uh, NES or SNES game for a month, and then basically it gets taken away. Uh, we could discuss that, but I feel like maybe it's not even prudent to do so because we don't have really the details. Mm. It's like, that could be totally fine for, you know, a small fee but i also feel like it could be a complete disaster if it turns out it's like hey it's 50 bucks and you're just like oh Oh, too (laughs) much too high i hope that yeah whatever it is it's not too expensive because nintendo have not been very good at giving away stuff lately um i'm thinking of the my nintendo service and um so if they go low on the price then you can get more people in and less complaining about how little it offers yeah It, it is obviously in some ways a comparable service service to the PS Plus and all that, but I don't think we know enough really to say anything definitive. Hmm. Um, so I would say the sort of, for me, the sort of, uh, I don't know, conclusion on where we stand with the Switch from a PlayStation perspective or someone who plays PS4 or PS3 um, hmm. pretty much every day, um, I'd yeah. say the same thing I would about the Wii U in many ways is that if you're thinking about where do you stand on the Switch and you're someone who loves trophies and you love collecting them and getting platinums and all that and we don't know yet if the Switch will have anything like that but I would think look at the Switch um, differently and sort of give it a chance to see judge it by if you think you can have fun with this and then well I'm someone who always measures value against price but um, look at it, and if if you think actually I might be able to have a lot of fun with that, that I can't. You basically you can't have that fun on the PS4. Um, yeah. For all the good that it is, you can't have that fun on the PS4. So if you think it's worth it, then consider getting it. And there doesn't need to be like a 
oh, I'm getting only a Switch. You're not going to sell your PS4 and get a Switch. No one's going to do that, and no one's expecting you to do that. Yeah. So, yeah, just give it a chance. Um, so yeah. I, I think we're we're kind of in agreement that uh, Nintendo has managed to successfully put itself back in the position that it's generally been, which is, oh, it seems like a good idea. It might be a good second console, mm. but maybe not, you know, your primary go-to. <laughs> I thought the Wii U did, did serve me quite well as a... Well, not second, third console, well, fourth even, yeah. depending if you still count the PS3. But, you know, yeah. it's like, it's there. I basically keep it in a bag. I can take it with me and unpack yeah. it and play it. Like You just unpack it and you just have so much fun in a bag. And the Switch is going to be a thousand times better than that because you have all that fun in just a screen. <laughs> so yeah. I don't have to carry around a backpack to bring it with me, you know? Yeah. I'm not going to lie. Probably my one of my favorite things, like, I enjoyed all the games and everything, but just the very prospect of, can you imagine, I mean, and this is a, potentially a realistic thing, if you can buy those docks separately, mm-hmm. imagine just like, you take your game with you, you get to a hotel, they already have a dock set up, you just slide your damn thing in and you play a game. <laughs> I it's feel like, like, to be honest, I feel like that's a bit unrealistic, but I can imagine um, they hopefully will do a situation where your you can have a cable even if it has to be a nintendo official cable that basically goes usb-c to hdmi because i mean you can do that my current laptop does usb-c to hdmi and yeah. um so you don't need to take the dock with you but you take the connect it's kind of like with 3ds you get you can get a dock um to charge on and that charge that dock uh sorry the charger plugs into the dock but if you just take off the charger from the dock you can plug it straight in so it works both ways you know you can have your dock but you can just take the charger with you. Indeed it too. Yeah. Yep. All right, so that's what we think about the Switch and Sony and how they relate to each other. Um, let us know what you think. Um, without competition, I think it would be imprudent to play the trophy game, so we'll skip that this week mm-hmm. and jump straight into popular trophies. Or as Ace would normally say, top of the trophy pops. Yeah. You know that's he's riffing off a British show, right? You've you've heard of Top yes. Pops? <clears throat> yes, yes, I'm I'm aware of that. <laughs> we have to bleep that out. I don't think we do. You can reference a show that's been cancelled. Yes. No, it's actually it's quite endearing. Great. <laughs> um, so as of today, about seven thirty, the past week, we've only got two games in the top fifty. What? Only two? Okay. Only two games in the top 50, and they are both new entries. Hmm. So, making up most of the list, you've got Day of the Tentacle Remastered. The trophy is Rap Sheet, Trespasser, okay. and it has 263 wins. Not a bad rap. Nope. But, uh, that, yeah. <laughs> um, that is one of 48 trophies on the list for wow. Day of the Tentacle. That's so, almost a complete... Almost complete. That's almost the whole thing. So that's, there's only two other trophies on the list. And coming in at number one is Hatsune Miku, Project Diva Future Tone. And the trophy is Welcome to, the t- uh, Welcome to Future Tone. Ah. With 264 wins, edging out Day of the Tentacle by one trophy win. Hunter. By one trophy. Half of a uh, <laughs> Yes. Um, and it obviously had one other trophy. Um, so, hmm. unceremoniously, that is your list. So that takes the top, but with only two trophies. 
with only two trophies, and, and Day of the Tentacle Remastered pretty much sweeps the entire rest of the list. So it seems like people are spending a lot of time playing that game. Hmm. Well, Day of the Tentacle is uh, one of the new PS Plus games, right? I do believe so, yeah. Um, and that's an adventure game, like a well, remastered old adventure game, and one yeah. of the more funny ones, uh, from what I gather. So I'm glad that people are enjoying that. And definitely, yeah, if always... there's 47 of them, then they're playing through it. They're not just dipping in. Oh, yeah. Yeah, clearly I need to get into that. I, I never played it originally, so mm. it's supposed to be... I think it's supposed to be near one uh, near the top for the um, Lucas-style uh, adventure games from back that's, in the day. So. That's quite a high bar. <laughs> that's yes. Monkey Island kind of bar. Yeah, so um, I, I definitely have to jump into that, at least play it a little bit, get an idea. And Hatsune Miku is, uh, I don't know what we technically call it, I'm thinking free-to-play, because you can get it free, and I think you can get the whole game, base game's trophies, but there are two DLCs, and they're very expensive. But by all accounts, extremely good value. Um, you get tons of songs. If you love Hatsune Miku, great choice, um, but you do have to shell out quite a lot to get those DLCs. Yeah. Um... I, I can't even say I've never actually played a Sunni game. I, I, I see. Check out the free things uh, coming on PSN and do a bit of research to find out. Yeah. Um, yeah, at some point, probably just to see what it's all about, I should try and play it because God <laughs> knows. So I, I work in retail for my day job. There are people that come in with like little Hatsune Miku uh, like keychains and stuff really? on their uh, backpacks and things like that. Yeah. Surprising number. Um, uh, and girls or boys? I uh, usually girls. Okay, um, that's cool. I mean, it's good to see that uh, it's kind of a little bit. Oh yeah, with girls in America. Well, and and to be further clear, I work for Godiva. I work in like a sort of luxurious chocolate shop, ah. and so people come in, and I'm like, Hatsune Miku, and people look at me like, you know what that is? I'm like, <laughs> course <laughs> one day uh, a group of girls came in and one of them had a, a gamestop bag and ah. uh i was grabbing something for them and i was like so what'd you got what'd you get and she's like a game it's like obviously it's a game i know that i'm, I'm trying to it engage you in conversation here yeah but you know yeah. how it is with with us it's like someone asks you about video games and you think they don't like video games you just like if oh, i yeah. tell them what it is they're just gonna judge me scoff or something yeah and i mean i wasn't judging them poorly i was part of me was kind of like oh man i must look old you have <laughs> you a scowl. yeah like yeah. old man uh, oh one of those newfangled video games yeah um because i i remember being a kid and, and that definitely happened all the time yeah. oh what'd you get a game <laughs> oh which game did you get i got this thing with this thing and that thing and it's like oh, sorry dragon ball xenoverse the third yeah, right. <laughs> Dynasty Warriors, Gundam, Mecha, Mega, Ultima. Yeah, yeah. Yeah. They're um, not going to know what the hell that is. <laughs> no. <laughs> All right, so uh, that is the um, rather brief uh, top of the trophy pops. Mm. Um, so before we jump into the Final Fantasy fifteen discussion, uh, what have you been playing? Um. So it's been two weeks since we last recorded. Yes. Um, actually, I, I've done a whole lot for two weeks. Um, decided I wanted to finish off Saints Row 3, get the 100%. I already had the Platinum, 
Um, so I just knocked off all the DLCs, three DLCs in a row. Um, that was quite fun, actually. It's bang, nice. Bang, 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 bang. Sorry, sorry. What a good mm-hmm. game. Um, yeah, that's what I've been told. You've never played any Saints Row game? I haven't played a Saints Row game since the first one. Oh, man. Uh, which was an interesting game at the time. It was a... Uh, <clears throat> it was actually competing with uh, Grand Theft Auto, mm-hmm. uh, which was an interesting thing to see a game compete with Grand Theft Auto. Yeah. Um, and then it's swiftly... Budget, became... I imagine. Uh, I'm sorry? On a much lower budget, I'd imagine. Uh, you know, I'm I'm sure it was a much lower budget uh, at the time. I think it had come out just ahead of uh, GTA Four. Oh, uh, oh, that's a bad time. <laughs> well, I mean, it was like a year ahead, okay. so it wasn't like right before it. But it was, you know, it'd been a while since GTA Three or something like that, mm-hmm. and so people were like, "Oh, cool, another like GTA style game. Let's get into this." and a lot of people were saying it was better than Grand Theft Auto. Wow. Um, yeah, it, it was a rather successful game in a, a, a bunch of ways. And it did a whole bunch of interesting things. And like the customization was ridiculous. You could customize every aspect of your car and character. And uh, it had, um, you know, like the Rampage missions and stuff like that. But it had some other stuff like insurance fraud, which was kind of just a goofy game to see how badly you could get hurt. Yeah. Um, and you were rated based in based on how much money you made in the mm. accident. Um, so it, it was, you know, it was an interesting game. And then obviously it figured out that after, you know, GTA 4 came out that in that head-to-head thing, it wasn't going to win. Yeah. So it had to do something else and slowly began turning into what we know it as today. With superpowers and whatnot. Yeah, yeah. It embraced, obviously, the, like, insurance fraud type stuff and yeah. sort of the slightly more cartoony nature of the characters saints row 3 has the it's kind of the transition i guess it's very it's yeah somewhat realistic but it's very very much embracing its humor and uh the yeah. light side so in that sense it's the polar opposite to gta 4 um 5 i Absolutely. know brought back more humor but 4 was just like so dead um yeah it was a little dry yeah too much so i think yeah so and Saints Row Three has the benefit of not being all about superpowers like Saints Row Four. Yes, um, uh, Saints Row Four I think jumped the shark. <laughs> I enjoyed it a bit, but it was nice to be able to get in a jet and think actually I can use this jet rather than I could just run there. I could jump there instead. Um, yes, feels like things that are actually worth getting again. Mm-hmm. Um, so yeah, uh, I finished that. Um, it's kind of retired now. I'm good. I've got Gat out of Hell the. DLC for Saints Row 4 still to play, uh, but I think I'll save that until I'm sort of jonesing again. You know, like I'm missing uh, the Saints Row mayhem. So I'll when it's later. been when it's been a little while and you're not thinking of Infamous and you're like, man, I wish there was an Infamous game. <laughs> yeah, that because it's as close as you can get. Mm. But it's going to be short, I know. So I'm not gonna, yeah, you know, I'm not gonna hold my breath too much. Um, the other thing I decided to polish off was. Uh, Need for Speed Most Wanted DLC. So that's the PS3 game from, I think it was 2012. Um, mm-hmm. Fantastic game. I love that game. Actually, it's probably one of my favorite games of all time at this point. Um, wow. I know that it wouldn't be for many people. Um, but it's basically... Hey, you know, it's how yeah. it goes sometimes. Hmm. Yeah, that's true, I suppose. It's the, the way that it strikes you. Um, the, the way that it connects with you, I guess. Um, 
it for me it was it invoked burnout paradise it was the first and only thing ever to invoke burnout paradise i suppose some people now might say that forza horizon has that niche but i kind of feel like i can't go there again um after yeah. putting well here's the thing i've put 250 hours into need for speed most wanted um and i don't know how much into burnout paradise i had the platinum car in that um wow so it's like yeah i mean it's just something that the thing about these open world car games is you can lose yourself in it in a way that you can't with other racing games um yeah. you can just kind of enjoy the city it's kind of like you've gone on holiday to the city virtually i know i do i do go on real holidays um but <laughs> I yeah. mean, in, in the game world, it's like you've gone on holiday there. And it's kind of becomes your... You know when you go on a holiday for two weeks or more, and it's kind of like, this is my home for a while. Like You mm-hmm. sort of can wander around and get to know the place. This is like that. You can start to know the streets and know the shortcuts. And yeah, it's just... Yeah, I, I sort of... So I played um, several Need for Speed games, but... Mm-hmm. Um, the one that generally comes to mind is Carbon, mm-hmm. um, which was sort of like that. I'm not going to say it was a great game necessarily. It definitely was. Um, ah, God, it was so cheesy. <laughs> but it was, <laughs> that it was with, fun when to it play. had story and stuff. Really bad story, yeah. Mm. Um, it was. It was trying to be. It was trying to be. Uh, Fast and the Furious. Yes. Yeah. Sort of. Uh, yeah. Yeah, but it was it wasn't even like you know, Fast and the Furious one and two, which were like super serious and mm-hmm. dark and gritty, but more like um, sort of three, which was so like sort of ridiculously cartoonish and so chintzy and cheesy. Mm-hmm. Um, so it was trying to do that without actually being that, while being a video game with definitely a lower budget, and like it just it didn't have a, a shot in hell of you know, actually accomplishing that. But, you know, they tried. But you had um, fun with it, and it connected with you, in a way. Yeah, and I think a large part of that was, I mean, I, I had fun with the, you know, customizing, the racing, obviously. Mm-hmm. Um, but it was, you know, racing in a space. It wasn't just a track. It was, you know, oh, I remember going down this street. If I take a hard right, I could, mm-hmm. you know, skip through here and cut them off or something, you know? Yeah. That was one of the things about Burnout Paradise that it it basically you know when games teach you things the hard way and they sort of make you learn it whether you want want to or not. Um, yeah. But with Burnout Paradise, because at first there was no fast restart or fast travel, you basically mm-hmm. had to learn all the shortcuts by going. And it's kind of like in life when you drive around and you learn the shortcuts just from experience. In Burnout yeah. Paradise, you learnt the city and got its pulse by putting your hand to it and like feeling the drift going around it this turning here like you said taking the hard right and then you find out what's there Um, yeah yeah sorry i'm probably just sort of sinking into nostalgia at this point no problem Um, but i i'd if i'm gonna sum it up with the most important thing that makes these two games special for me it's the way that um when i first got burnout paradise um at that time my friend had got a ps3 as well and we had everyone come round to my place um and i know burnout paradise is a single player game but and there was no party mode at that time just for clarification but we started up a fresh burnout paradise campaign i mean it was launch day 
so we had to. <laughs> um, yeah. And we just passed the controller around while sitting around and just, like, unlocking cars, because the game throws cars at you. It's brilliant. You just switch yeah. cars, so you switch player, and you just sort of have a drive around the city, and it's a beautiful city as well. Like, it made it feel like we weren't in soggy old England. <laughs> right. And, and, yeah, it's just a blast. So I guess I like... and. Most Wanted as well doesn't have a horrible story like um, the new need. Well, it doesn't lead you on with a story that thinks it's going to be bearable. Um, yeah. It's just you just you and the cars on the road. Um, so yeah, sorry. Trying, that's enough about that. It's not trying to. It's not trying to be edgy and turning out to be cheesy. Yeah, you just yeah. you have a Lamborghini Aventador and it just speaks for itself. Yeah, <laughs> it's like best car in the world. Believe it. Yeah. Um, so, yeah, good. So, uh, what should I talk about? Another game or? Uh, well, you know what? I'll I'll just go and uh, so I did play some. So I got the platinum in Final Fantasy yesterday. Okay. Um. So I uh, played some Overwatch and I played some uh, Doom just because I was kind of feeling the need to shoot some stuff. Good. Good. And, that was Wait, definitely fun. Good. Maybe I'm not sure. We'll discuss uh, that with they, therapists later. <laughs> yes, um, th- they're both awesome. So you know, depending on if I want something super twitchy or something a little bit smarter, you know, they, they both were very satisfying to play. Good. Uh, but I was also on vacation last week, so I brought my Vita with me, mm-hmm. and I was playing some Titan Souls, right. um, which was a uh, was that one of the PS Plus games? It it was right. I'm sure. I'm pretty sure it was. Yeah. yeah. Um, so I, I downloaded that for the trip so I could play it on the plane. Um, it's an interesting game. Uh, a lot of people definitely like it more than I do. Catch me uh, up on the basics with this game. I didn't know a lot about it. So, so Titan Souls is a, basically it's a boss rush game. Okay. The entire game is all about, uh, these, defeating these bosses. Mm-hmm. Um, and so like you'll walk into a room. And there's a boss, and you've got a bow and arrow, just one arrow. Um, <laughs> when you shoot it, you have to either go and collect it or call it back to you. Okay. Um, and you can obviously dodge around. and But the, I, I think, and I might be mistaken, that's it. Literally, you can run, dodge, sprint, and shoot. Did, did anyone uh, else have um, flashbacks of Guardians of the Galaxy? I'm thinking of that bad guy who whistles and his, his arrow comes oh, flying. Oh, yeah, yeah, right. <laughs> um, yeah, no, there's no whistling sound when you do that. Uh, ah. There is... It, it is kind of interesting. Like, there's one stage where, like, you're on floating pieces of ice, um, and so if you shoot your arrow and mm-hmm. you try and call it back, it'll actually also drag you on the piece of ice across nice. the water. <laughs> uh, but it so it in that regard, it's very successful. Like, it, it's kind of it's got enough atmosphere, or whatever. It, it's kind of a pretty game. It's a sort of top down perspective. Mm-hmm. Um, the oh, and the uh, the boss battles are like one hit death so like if you get hit just about at all you die oh. um, but it's also very similar for them like y- you may have to do something to expose their weak point or whatever mm-hmm. but once their weak point is exposed one shot to their weak weak point kills them mm-hmm. um so you know it's it's fun like getting into these boss battles and trying to figure out what you're doing and trying to figure out how to kill these bosses contending with their different movement styles and how they respond to what you do whatever else uh but you die a lot okay which is unsurprising one hit and you die 
but it doesn't start you like at the beginning of the room. So you just take a couple of steps and bam, you start the fight again. Mm -hmm. It puts you back outside at a checkpoint and then you have to run all the way back to the room and then fight again. And once you factor in like the loading time and the running and whatever else, like, you know, you get there and, and a lot of these fights, once you figure out what you're doing, they only take about 15 seconds. And when okay. you don't know what you're doing, you die pretty fast anyways. So it's like for 15 seconds of gameplay, it's taking you half of a half a minute to get back to the fight. Uh, and it just, it takes way too long. That's just, ah, that's too much. Like that's great and everything, but you know, the 10th time you've died to this boss and it's just like, you're just trying to figure out how you can get around behind them to shoot them or whatever it is. Like, at that point, you're just, like, pulling out your hair, not because the boss is beating you, not because it was a bad beat, and not because, you know, messed up or whatever. You're pulling out your hair because it's like, oh, my God, I have to run up these stairs and over this bridge yeah. and then into the room again? Like, that that's yeah, that really the only problem. Like, the working against the bosses is, is a lot of fun. Mm -hmm. But at the same time, like, maybe, I, I don't know, the, the game is purportedly pretty short. You're looking at like two or three hours um you're all of like 20 bosses okay so even if you've got 20 bosses and it takes you 10 seconds per attempt and 10 attempts was that 2000 seconds okay. right to to end up beating the game hmm. that's really not that much yeah. you're looking at probably a you know half hour game or whatever i'm doing really bad math and i'm sorry <laughs> um it's just no, it's no, just it's illustration a, not uh, measurement. Yes. Yeah. So it comes out to that would be about a half an hour. Okay. And and some of the bosses, like you do, you kind of walk in and you're just like, oh, I got this, you know. But and and especially if you did it so quickly, you'd probably learn from your mistakes faster rather than ruminating on the fact that you're retreading the same place again, mm -hmm. you know. Uh, so I probably will not continue to play it just because realistically, it's kind of a waste of my time like okay. i enjoy playing the bosses and i beat probably about half of them and it's just like i don't want to play against any other bosses i just it's going to take too much time running back to the boss every single time i die well i suppose you uh you seem to feel that you've got everything from you've got the experience you've understood what it's about and yeah yeah i definitely like i said i definitely enjoy the the boss battles and and you know, doing the first few bosses, and then they were fairly simple. You know, I blazed through them, and that was a lot of fun. And then it just kind of started to drag a little bit too far. Mm -hmm. Oh, one of the, one of the bosses is in one of those forgotten woods, okay. like the lost woods, where like you gotta go, you know, take a right and then go up oh, and then go left, and then you go in the wrong order. It bounces you back. So there, there's actually one boss where it's like you have to go over to the right, go over to the left, go up, and then you finally get to the boss. I'm like, oh my god, <laughs> but yeah. <laughs> So I would say that I, I had fun with it. I would definitely recommend, since it's free, definitely go and play it. Um, and you'll definitely enjoy playing, you know, the first several bosses, I'm sure. Mm -hmm. And then once you start getting to the more complex bosses and you start tearing your hair out, and you can make your decision on whether or not it's worth it. Um, but, you know, up until then, you'll probably have a good time. So It's supposed to be a hard game, though, right? Yeah, it is definitely meant to be a hard game. Like that's part of the the appeal. But uh, I, I think it's one of those things where, just you know, having too much time bef between attempts. It, I mean, it's imagine Super Meat Boy if it had a thirty second load in between every death. Hmm. It's like 
you should just be like, no, no, this is, yeah, it's it's a great challenge and it's fun when I get it right, but it's just too much. Mm. I can think of a few games where it's annoying. You have to wait for a loading screen when it restarts, even though they should have designed it to have basically loaded yeah. the start of the race so that you can restart instantly. Well, I thought yeah. I thought race because I'm thinking of racing, but you know, like the start of whatever it is, just so that you can get back in, even if it has to reload the end. Yeah. Um, and just to compare it, because obviously, you know, it's called Titan Souls, mm. you know, it's supposed to evoke sort of Dark Souls and that kind of difficulty, uh-huh. but at least when you're playing Dark Souls, when you die, getting back to where you died is sort of a tense thing. Mm-hmm. You know, you're, you're playing a, maybe a little bit more carefully cause you don't want to die again. Cause then you lose all of the souls that you dropped when you died. And right. so you're, you're being careful around otherwise simple enemies on your way back or whatever it may be. You know, but it doesn't have any of that tension because the only enemies are the bosses. There's nothing in between. Mm. So, mm. I've never been yeah. much a fan of boss rush, boss rushes anyway. So, it's like yeah. two things I'm not a big fan of together. Um, if you happen to be a, a PS4 gamer, which I believe this is cross by on PlayStation 4, so you should be able to play it on your PS4 for free. Okay. Um, if you end up liking this, I would definitely recommend Fury instead, which actually won our action game of the year this year mm. um i would definitely recommend that it's no longer free it was on ps plus and it was free uh, but if you can manage to pick that up on a sale or something i would definitely recommend that because it is very much that type of thing but it's like when you lose like five seconds you're right back into that fight and trying again so excellent how it should be yep all right so with that out of the way it is time for final fantasy 15 a spoilery discussion Mm-hmm. So, I take so we'll it you like Final Fantasy. Everything after the ending and anything else out there in the world. I might end up spoiling yeah. some things for you. <laughs> yeah, so we're, we're discussing spoilers. So, um, if you have not finished the game at least, uh, you may want to come back later. Um, we're definitely going to end up discussing the story. Uh, we're going to discuss some of the gameplay elements. Um, we'll probably discuss some about the secret dungeons in the game, uh, and, and any of the more interesting battles, I imagine. Hmm. So without further ado, okay, what do you think of the game? Um, well, I already said, uh, on an earlier, I gushed, I gushed, uh, embarrassingly about how much I like it. <laughs> yeah. Um, what do you think about the ending specifically? Okay. Multiple so scenes that it contained. Yeah, so the, there's obviously several layers to the ending. Mm. Um, you beat the game, and you know you get the standard ending, and then there's a semi post credits right where um, he's sort of sorry. There's the post credits when he's at the camp with his friends, right? In the oh, future re- world, rewind a bit. I would say the ending starts uh, from the end of the boss battle. Uh, so you fight Arden in that ridiculous floating swords. Um, okay, so thing. can we can we agree that was a little anticlimactic? Um, I don't know. I'm like, I'm not sure. I, I think it was very. Way. Yeah, well, I mean, it was flashy and pretty and sort of interesting, but I do have to say that, like, I liked Arden sort of, mm-hmm. um, but like, I had no investment in that villain. Like, yeah. I got to the end and I was like, oh, well, out of nowhere, he's just, like, 
almost as badass as I am, and now we're fighting. And it's like, what? Like, it's I understood that up. he had, I mean, for the first half of the game, he obviously was, like, you know, very cunning, maybe. Mm. But it wasn't until, what, like, chapter 12 or 13 where, like, he started, you know, maybe freezing time or something. He, he didn't really become a threat until the very end. Mm-hmm. And even then, he didn't show any outwardly signs of powers. He just, like, was impervious to time freezing or something. Yeah. And and talked to Shiva, like, Psh, hey, old pal. Like, you know, but, but the, that was about the it. The training showed that he was immortal. But that was kind of your first whisper of him being supernatural. Right, yeah. And and you didn't see really much else aside from that. Mm. And then eventually you get to the end and it's like, hey, you just fought uh, Ifrit. And then <laughs> it's like, well, that wasn't the real boss fight. It's this guy. Mm. And he starts whipping out his, you know, shiny blades and, you know, all that. Yeah. So in many ways, I think that's, you you kind of highlighted it there. Ifrit was kind of the traditional final boss in the fact that Agreed. he's the flashy boss. Um, and then Arden is the story resolution boss, or rather Correct. the fighting of the actual antagonist. And in most games, you get, like, the human who's the enemy is, like, you can't have a proper fight with him. So he has some right. huge big thing that is the traditional boss. In a way, it's the, um, if for, for people that have played Final Fantasy, Final Fantasy VII, spoilers, at the end of the game, you fight the one-winged angel, and you have the big boss battle with like three phases or whatever and then after that there's that one-on-one between sephiroth and cloud Mm. and this was kind of that right yeah except that you don't just bust out the omni slash and that's it Mm -hmm. Uh (laughs) yeah it's kind of just going through the the motions with him though yes they could have done it in a cutscene, or they could have done it in like a one move like you instantly hit your armager and that's basically Mm. how you do it but they kind of went backwards in that they made you have to hit him a bunch of times but it was very much um reductive in the fact that hitting him was shallow in many ways uh, you do have yeah. to put in quite a bit of work dodging and getting your timing right so in that sense you do have to have the controls um underhand but um it was nothing like the free fight or in contrast the uh, adamantos fight yes um it's it's kind of an interesting thing because as a story resolution sort of battle like on its own mm-hmm. i liked it like it was totally fine it was more involved and definitely more interesting than many such fights except like i said it just didn't seem to fit the story mm-hmm. it was like you know for a little while you didn't know he was the villain and then he's immortal and then he's got these superpowers and yeah escalates really yeah and which i think realistically is maybe my major problem with the latter half of the game it's like you know you're playing the first half of the game and you're just kind of taking it at your own pace and obviously you know the last half is kind of linear in order to create tension and pacing and all that stuff but it it causes everything to sort of feel out of place Mm -hmm. Um, and even then even maybe maybe it's just the contrast of the first half to the last the the second half Mm -hmm. but uh it ends up feeling rushed. And I don't know if that's because there was really just narrative problems with the second half, which I think there kind of is. Definitely. Um, but it, it's also, I think, in contrast to that first half, where it's like, you know, 
you you would spend several hours in a chapter just kind of going slowly and then the last half is you know eight chapters in like six hours you know yeah it's pretty out of control i'd say it's like um at first you're exploring the theme park going on all kinds of different rides and then you strap in for the roller coaster and you ride that for the other you know the rest of the like you said chapters um yeah and that's it like you're you can enjoy a roller coaster that can be the climax of your um theme park visit if you like but you're strapped in and you there's no getting out basically you can kind of get out but story-wise you can't that's that's basically the first half of the game it's just all that kind of stuff and mm-hmm. camping and all that um which is uh a lot of fun and it sets up you know the character development and whatever second half mm-hmm. um so what, what did we, we discussed that second half and how, how do you think sort of the character development turned out so i feel like um it's a shame the thing that personally annoyed me the most perhaps or probably the most the one that comes to mind certainly is the way that the um uh, what do they call the summons in this game are uh, um yeah it begins with an a which i used very rarely um the uh, i can't because uh, it's weird they all had specific names as well as that um like yeah, the archaeon yeah. and the like i don't know they had really wicked like cool the, the six the six the six just yeah. call them the six okay right? so you i mean that's the worst part as well they're called the six so you're like i know they're six <laughs> and then yeah you're going you're at chapter six you're like okay i've got four I think, or four or three, and you're like, okay, well, I want the others. Where the hell are the others? And then you get for, you get to the last chapter, and you're like, well, fuck, I'm missing two. Yeah. <laughs> like, I can't go fight him. I'm missing two. It's the six. Like, it's not like the the set. Like, oh, I have some of it. Yeah, I mean, it, it feels like they make a big deal out of you getting the blessings from all yeah. six of them. Mm-hmm. And then uh, it kind of almost disrupts its own uh, sort of pacing. It creates this sort of dissonance where like you're barreling towards this last fight but you're also simultaneously unprepared for it because things did not unfold the way you expected yeah and the thing is i feel like that's okay in a narrative but they need to make that understood in the characters not just like you're carrying along on your merry way whistling like Mm. oh yeah i i have to get all six if i'm gonna stand in chance i haven't got all six oh it's fine let's just carry on like nothing's happened it's like well and that's I feel like that's kind of the problem with way the way they were presented, mm-hmm. which was like if you just kind of come across, you know, like the um, with, with Titan, and it was just like, oh, you just kind of, you know, he's like calling to you, and you come to him, and then you get him, and then you know, Ramu, you just like sort of compelled to go find him, and then you just like stumble upon these. Oh, Whereas yeah. they made a big deal out of, well, you know, what was it, communing with the gods and having this event and whatever, and it. They they ritual they literally ritualized that process. Yeah, true. And in doing so, I think that was primarily why they kind of messed that up. Mm. And also, I didn't particularly like the summons. So. <laughs> yeah, I feel like they're definitely not the best summons um, mm-hmm. in the series, but it's they're impressive and cool in their own way. If you consider them as a very minor part of the game, um, yeah. then it's really cool that you can summon in this god-sized thing um to come to your aid but i very rarely used it and for me it was mostly rama whereas i would have liked to have seen titan at least once i never saw him. i don't think i i don't think i saw outside of story saw titan mm-hmm. i don't think i ever saw him appear 
is mainly for like when you're fighting the open planes, but I guess when you're fighting in um what's it called? That well that whole region. <laughs> Um, yeah. When you're fighting there, he's you basically well players like us. We had plenty of power, so we didn't need him. Mm-hmm. Uh, yeah. But, yeah, yeah, and and then Ramu started appearing just about everywhere. Mm-hmm. Leviathan started appearing places, and I'm like, there's not even water. <laughs> well, that's uh, the thing with these uh, these gods; they basically just make their own path. Mm-hmm. So, like, Titan will like come running over the horizon, or Ramu. Yeah. Well. Um, Leviathan will basically bring the water with him. And the thing about yeah. Ramo is, one time I summoned him when I was in, um, I think I was in Kosselmark, and I was a few layers, several layers underground, actually. I was deep underground. And yeah. I don't know if you've ever seen it, but Ramo throws his lightning rod, because mm-hmm. you know he's got the one where he picks you up and then he throws. Mm-hmm. There's a different yeah. one where he throws it from, I think, from like the horizon, and it yeah. pierces through everything. So you just see it come crashing through the ceiling. And it's like, whoa, whoa, I'm underground, and he's just smashed it through. Blew everything down. Yeah, he's yeah. like destroyed this Cosmark Tower. And the Iron Giant fighting, I think Red Giant, actually, it just yeah. gets wrecked, and you're like, that was so badass. Um, yeah. It doesn't make any sense that the castle's not falling over, but still, it was badass. <laughs> yeah. It, they were interesting. It was more visual than anything, because yeah. they were so, I don't want to say unreliable, because once I figured out that you could, you know, if you used it, you weren't getting it for a little while, yeah. I stopped using them. Um, and so, you know, when I needed them, they showed up. Most of the time they showed up when I didn't. So. <laughs> uh, yeah, but yeah, I, I thought they were cool, but it, I think the sort of randomness, even though it was maybe uh, served the story better, mm-hmm. it was like, this, this doesn't feel rewarding at all. Yeah. You know? Yeah, that's why I think they got relegated in a major way. They're not like FF8. My, they're probably my favorite summons. Which, which is yeah, that was awesome. Um, uh, plus, uh, was it a Pazakotl or whatever that yeah. thing is? Totally made an appearance. That's yeah, in a way, but the more mythical way. Like it was yeah. some kind of thunder bird. Yeah, yeah. Uh, so and then I guess so we skip past Arden, right? Mm-hmm. Go the uh, actual ending right oh a, uh, a moment more about the last two summons sure. um mm-hmm. the, the narrative problem with the summons is that somewhere along the train journey which is a tra- it's like a long journey metaphorically and literally because oh, yeah. you basically are skipping large parts of the story while on this train which feels strange yeah so the train is basically taking you from page one to page 100 and you skipped <laughs> um yeah but uh, yeah, so while during that process you find out Shiva was killed by the evil empire and Ifrit, mm-hmm. something happened. Basically, Ifrit is a write-off at that point you find out. And you're like, well, yeah. all the summons are gone and we just have to go ahead. And if the characters had a... They talk about Shiva being dead. You go see that huge, like, New York-style statue. Mm-hmm. Um, yeah. And you accept that she's dead, but you don't... Well, I suppose you, you acknowledge it, but you don't accept it. It's like the stage of Niles. Like, yeah. they say, well, Shiva's dead, and no one talks about how big a deal that is. I mean, basically one of the gods that right. you needed is dead. Yeah. Like, and it's you, it's funny, because, like, when you're on the train, like, earlier, it's like, oh, my God, look at that giant cl- cloud, and people are, like, freaking out, looking out the window. And yeah. that's, like, a proper response to a god being dead. Like, oh, my God, this this 
look at what has happened as a result. Mm. But they get there and they're right there and Shiva's dead right in front of them and they just don't give a crap. They're yeah, just like, they oh, well, I guess we should get back battle. on the train. Yeah. Um, this really poorly made battle, you just basically get off the train, have a fight and close off area and get back on the train. And which was really awkward. Yeah. Just, but, that's, but that points to the sort of rushed area. Um, right. And, and that last half, the second half, does feel rushed, mostly because of stuff like that. But I do feel like the reveal with Ifrit and Shiva was good, if only it had been set up properly. So you'd be surprised. You'd be like, whoa, Shiva's alive? Ifrit's yeah. con- captured and working for yeah. them? Now, mm-hmm. if that had been a shock, then you'd be in a position to, you know, like... Do something like that. Also, I don't think you actually get Ifrit. You just kill him, even though you're supposed to get all six. So it's like, again, it's a clash with what you've been... That's one of the things right. you... about these... Sorry, you... Yeah. Well, I was going to say, you defeat him, and theoretically, that means that you should have gained his favor in some way, because like the, mm-hmm. one of the cosmogonies or whatever mentions something like that. But then, I mean, at that point, it's like, well, Bahamut comes out of nowhere for a story moment, so you don't get to use him, and then it's the final fight, and you don't get to use the summon for that, so it doesn't even matter. So theoretically, you may have even gotten his help and his blessing or whatever, but it doesn't matter. You I know, think, if if that's what happened, you're not told that. I think you kill, I think you obliterate him. Shiva obliterates him, I think. Cause oh, maybe that's what it is. But um, Bahamut comes to try and beat him the old-fashioned way, but he basically, um, it doesn't work yeah. out. He tries. Bless yeah. his heart. Huge heart, but um, yeah. it doesn't work out. and. That cutscene was cool, but it's. I think it's the only time you get to use Bahamut, and therefore you never get to use Ifrit, as far as I can tell. Um, yeah. And you do get to use Shiva, maybe only that once, but you get to see that. Um, yeah. And it's, it was strange so getting Bahamut as well. I don't even remember where we got him. It's like... In the crystal. Oh, so yeah, that was basically the end. Right. So, <laughs> which that's an entirely another thing. It's like, okay, whatever the end of the world thing is... Yeah. That's fine. The ten year jump, I was like, what the hell is this? That was all it's kinds like, of wrong. Yeah. That yeah. I feel like they the way that first half was going, mm-hmm. it would have been perfect if like over the course of ten years this guy is going through all this shit and there's this character development. It, you know, even if they had to, you know, stretch it or whatever, the parts were a little bit thin, mm-hmm. it would have made sense. You know? And it's it's that was again one of those things where it felt like they had this grand plan for something that would have been, I mean, granted, it was a Peter Molyneux seed growing into a tree thing. <laughs> you know, it was a little bit much. But, like, it feels like that really was the plan, and they just, they way overestimated what they could do or something. Mm. And that easily, you can see, fell apart. What would have been an amazing epic story was just a very deus ex machina type thing. You know? Yeah. They had so much going on in that open world before chapter mm. six but yeah the timeline of the group that's like a blink so yeah it's a couple of months or something. time and they didn't realize that every other the million other blinks after that would need filling out <laughs> yeah. yeah so i feel like and also that was jarring he comes out of a prison when he wakes up and you're like how what happened how did he get in prison um mm. so that and it's one of those things where it would have worked brilliantly if they've just set it up properly um, yeah. So, what came after that? Okay, so I feel like that the world as it was, he woke up to, that was a 
really good scene. Um, you drive through yeah. the countryside being overtaken, and it's a bit long, but it puts the point across. And you get there, yeah. and you finally meet your friends. You see what they're like after ten years. You hear all this, like, what's happened in the future of them. It's like basically like I don't, don't want to compare it to the end of Lord of the Rings, but it's like some other fiction where you find out what happened to your your favorite characters after ages, mm. and that's really like fulfilling in a way. It's like seeing an ending before the ending. Um, yeah. And... Yeah, and I, I I thought that was really compelling, and I, I feel like that particular item, the the world. And uh, very much, particularly the um, the you know ten years older Noctis with the sort of uh, beard going on, whatever, yeah. um, was like there was concept art, and they were like, "We, we have to do this. Like, this is going to be <laughs> awesome." And and then they just like whatever was in meshing, they were just like, "We're just going to do you know this, and we're going to do this, even though it doesn't really match up." Mm-hmm. Uh, oh, but that was pretty awesome. Um, so I need to go, we need to go back to what you wanted to go to, because I feel like we're getting, I'm, I'm pulling you away on too many things. No, 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 that's, that's fine, because that, it reminded me of that crystal thing, which definitely needs to be brought up. Yeah. Um, so, and then you get to the ending, and you defeat Arden, um, and you have this scene where, you know, it's been suggested over the past couple of chapters, I guess, um, but it, it's certainly the past chapter and a half or so, that, uh, for Noctis to straighten everything out, he basically has to die. Ah. Um, um, and mm-hmm. so good. You finish, and then I'll. So you know he goes up and he sits on his throne, and uh, he's basically like metaphysically impaled by all of his ancestors, yes. including his father. Uh, um, and, the and then he around. dies. Yeah, pretty much. <laughs> well, I mean, there's uh, thirteen of them, or is mm-hmm. he thirteen? He's 14, right? I think his father's 13. Right. So, yeah, very almost appropriately, yeah, it is sort of the, the Knights of the Round. And once again, it's one of a billion instances where the number 13 pops up, yeah. um, which I, I thought was kind of funny. Uh, but yeah, so, and then he dies and the world is saved. Mm. So um, the way that's set up, um, it's kind of half there, I and mean, it's a lot more there than the other things that we were just complaining about. Um, yeah, I'd say, how did you feel when you walk into the throne room, Arden's throne room? Well, it's your throne room, but he's a serpent. Uh-huh. Um, yeah, and he's got these bodies hanging from the ceiling. It's like the most. It's not graphic at all, really, but for the right. game, it's the most graphic thing that it's shown you, and it's yeah. like literally the corpse of your beloved hanging from the ceiling which is potentially the most horrific thing a man can ever see um right and obviously it's a fake um but he's got this and your father i think is there hanging from the ceiling and it's like he's the puppeteer dangling your losses in front of your face and ulrich is there as well i don't know if you noticed from king's life um Uh, i I didn't watch it so okay that's the other thing i was going to ask when was he the one that was like front and center Yes, he's the protagonist of Kingsley. Yeah. Um, yeah, okay. So it's Ulrich, your father, and Luna, if I remember right, and the Emperor, who didn't get enough story, but that's another matter. Right. Um, yeah, right. And what did you feel or think when you saw those hanging up there in front of him, sitting there casually? Uh, my my personal reaction was, wow, that's really gruesome and way out of tone, sort of. Right, yeah. In a like, good way or bad? Like, um, in in sort of a bad way, like 
you know, I, I get what they were trying to do, but it was so out of sorts with the rest of everything. Maybe mm-hmm. if I'd seen more of this dark world, it would have made more sense. Mm-hmm. But I, I just got there and I was like, it really did feel like it was intentionally, you know, just sadistic for the sake of it. You know, it didn't okay. feel genuine, if that makes mm-hmm. sense. Yeah, you know, they didn't do much to lead up to it, so you're certainly not. Um, you're not... even in the castle, like mm-hmm. you, you're walking through the castle, and you don't really see anything like that until you walk into that throne room, and now people are just like randomly hanging from the ceiling. Exactly. Yeah. Yeah. So I can see where you're coming from. Um, mm-hmm. For me, I think uh, respectfully the opposite in that mm-hmm. it was the, the jarringness of it was what made it effective for me. Um, yeah. The fact that, for me, I guess, that was when it got real. Um, when mm-hmm. you, I mean, you've seen the destruction of the world, but yeah. you're not feeling like this is your enemy. You're feeling like something crazy is going on and the world is ending. But mm-hmm. the moment I stepped into that throne room, I thought, right, this guy is going down. I have to deal with yeah. him right now. And you are not leaving until we've had words. <laughs> Um, yeah, I, I, f- I feel like it kind of, it had sort of a reverse effect, though. Okay. Because, I mean, part of part of the story is really Noctis' development into a king. Mm-hmm. And so, while it was, you know, it was kind of personal at the beginning, and, you know, all of these things, these personal things are happening to him, mm-hmm. the end, the, the, the point at the end is supposed to be him saving the world, despite his personal feelings about things, mm-hmm. you know? So in, in some ways, I feel like that kind of almost undermines it, you know? Okay. Like, I, I can certainly see, you know, if that was sort of a lead up to it and him walking past that kind of stuff to, you know, defeat this terrible monster. I see. But when, it, when it's so, like, front and center like that, it's, it, it's the culmination. It's, it's at the culmination of his journey, not the walk through the castle. Mm-hmm. You know what I mean? Yeah. All right. Yeah, I I can see, I can see yeah. where you're coming from with that. Um, but I, I can definitely agree with the uh, jarringness of, of that. It was definitely jarring. Mm. Um, so after that, so you were asking about the uh, the what are they officially called? The knights, um, well, the kings. Um, oh well, your oh God, what do they call them? Your ancestors, the, the kings of Lucia, I guess. Yeah. Um, but. Yeah, anyway, those 13 um, are like the legacy in the ring mm-hmm. that you have to use to defeat the evil. And um, right. the the thing, I guess, because Arden is, um, what was it? Noctis, Lucas, Kylum. Because Arden is a, Arden is a Kylum as well. Um, mm-hmm. Or he's a Luke, right. it, whatever. Anyway, basically, he's the same family. <laughs> Because right. he, he's he's like his great 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 uncle or something like that, right? Right. Yeah. He's so the, he was not he, the other me. brother. Exactly. So yeah. he has the same kind of powers, which explains the fight. Um, he sure. has that, uh, but he cannot be defeated by conventional means because he has he's immortal because he absorbed this crystal power or whatever the evil that mm-hmm. the crystal was fighting, yeah. and. Um, all that complex stuff, which wasn't properly explained. <laughs> yeah, um, well, I mean, rushed. it was explained in quite a lot of detail, but not in any good detail, not well explained. Um, 
So, yeah, I mean, he needed to defeat him with the ring power, basically, uh, MacGuffin. <laughs> and, yes. um, yeah, I guess, when is it clear that he needs to die for that to work? I can't remember. I know that I knew it before the end, but I don't remember when it comes up. Yeah, no, I I can't say that I specifically remember. Um, it, it it was like I I don't know if it was maybe I was just piecing things together. Okay. Um, oh, there 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 seemed to be like some knowledge. I feel like it's the um, it's got to be the uh, uh, prophecy, right? Yes. I feel like it had something to do with the prophecy, like everybody's nobody seemed to know until the prophecy was sort of brought up. And then it seemed like everybody knew that Noctis was going to die. Um, which as a side note, creates a problem with one of the, uh, brotherhood animated shorts where it's like, well, you're going to have to take over someday. And it's like, well, if you knew he was going to die, then like, what the hell, man? <laughs> you know, maybe they um, thought, I feel like they would have thought he would have had some time before the end of the world. Or, or they may have assumed that, you know, it would be one of his descendants or something. You know, maybe it wasn't him, it was somebody else, you know. When, they, they may not have been specific of which member of the line of um, Kam or whatever. It was something along the lines of when the light fades, the true king will come. Yeah, and, and yeah. He was that's prophesied exactly to be the true king, but I right. remember where it says he's... I think I was just thinking as we were going over it that the scene at the bottom of the stairs to the going into the tower he turns to his friends and he says um well this is it um and yeah he um i think he leaves them behind to fight some uh, red giants that come up and i'm i don't know about that i thought he walks in and they follow him or something i feel like i can remember this happening i just don't know why where it fits in (laughs) yeah um because they all do go into the tower the first time Yeah, and it's it's funny because it's like, even then I was like, so he's totally supposed to die. At that point, I was like, it was crystal clear. Mm-hmm. He, he is supposed to die. That is how that prophecy goes. Mm-hmm. And I remember sitting there like, so are they going to find some way out of this? Or are they really going to stick to this? Because with the way the story was going, I was like, I feel like they're going to stick to this. He's going to die. Mm-hmm. And I was, part of me was a little bit surprised at the fact that I had accepted that. Mm-hmm. Um, because, you know, so often you, you just expect, oh, they're going to find a way out of this. Even in Final Fantasy, oh, they're going to find a way out of this. Um, there's always some way around it. There's the Final Fantasy nine where, you know, you find out that, you know, Zidane is under the hood or whatever. And like every single one of them, there's the, uh, wink at the end of Final Fantasy eight when they're on the balcony, all sort over and over. We've seen this <laughs> and, and they just, they went for it and, and like, he's going to die. And you just kind of had to accept that. <laughs> I feel like part, maybe it was another scene that uh, referenced that. It was when they were standing at the door to the throne room in the picture mm-hmm. gallery. And um, yep. he says, he turns to them and he says, can I look through the photo album? I need one more, you know, to take with me. And it says it so yep. vaguely, but they are all, the tone in between the three of them just drops like right under, into the ground. It's like, mm-hmm. oh, oh, okay. And it's like, they know that he wants one to take with him sentimentally to the grave, yeah. which is yeah. like really heavy. Um, yeah. But I think that might have been the point, or I, it probably was clear before then. I feel like yeah. I feel like I, I definitely remember a scene at the bottom of the stairs, but I can't piece it together where it came, when it came. 
Maybe it's after yeah. you defeat Arden and before you go to the throne. Yeah, actually, that is it, isn't it? After you fight yeah, Arden you... in the flashy battle, you meet up with your friends and then you go to the throne room to sit on it. Um, well, I think that's um, that's that's just before you fight Ifrit. Um, right? Is it? I don't know. No, because after you fight Ifrit, um, no, because as you walk up to the tower, then Arden throws Ifrit at you and goes in. Then you all go in, go up the elevator. Then you have that picture gallery scene. Then yeah. you go through and they get stunned. I'm recapping the ending for anyone who hasn't <laughs> played yeah. it. But, uh, you go through and they get knocked out. And you walk down again to the plaza, fight Arden in the streets, and yeah. um, then in the air. <laughs> and then you kill him. But he's, I mean, you kill him, but he's not. But he's his probably not vanquished. Dead. Yeah. So yeah. you basically kill him temporarily. And then. Um, that's, I think, when you meet up with your friends and you part ways with them. You leave them to fend off the darkness oh, yes. to leave you to it. Because uh, yep. the darkness isn't gone yet, right? But you have to go and get rid of it because you know that you're the only one who can. So you yeah, and they the leave you. Hmm. Yeah, they leave you to walk in yourself. And yeah, it's got a very, um, I'm, I'm about to go die. It's up to you guys to take care of everything yeah. when I'm gone. But it's got, yeah. it's got that very, very... Uh, timeless heroism to it. It's got that mm. thing that they have in anime and in some movies where it's basically like, you know I'm going to die, I know I'm going to die, but I'm going to be too cool to say it. So I'm just going to yeah. be like, yeah, man, I'm I'm going to bounce. See you all on the flip side. <laughs> and yeah. That's my Noctis being too cool. He's, he's way too yeah. cool. He's using slang that's just cool beyond words. Um, yeah. And uh, he goes in and sits on the throne, and that happens. But they, I think and that, they nail the timing. Yeah, I think too. Like because, it's it's so easy for something like for a pause to run too long in a situation like mm. that. But that that never happens. Mm. And because that scene in that scene, they basically don't accept it. They don't um, mm. acknowledge it. They're like looking away. You know, like something hard you don't want to look at. They're looking away from they, it. And yeah. because they do that in that scene before the ending, and then they follow through on the ending and you see the actual fallout, I think that yeah. adds all the weight to the fireplace scene in the credits. Right. That, and that does lead into that post credit scene mm. where you're kind of like, I, I even feel like I, I kind of thought that. It was like, okay, we're going to go eat. And then, you know, they roll out to go do whatever. And I'm like, wow, that was kind of anticlimactic. You know, these this group of friends is reuniting and it might be the last time that they ever see each other or whatever. And they just kind of sat down, ate a meal and bounced, you know, and then they go into that, uh, post credits yeah. and it, that scene was awesome. Yeah. I got a little teary eyed. I'm not going to lie. Good. Good. Um, I was yeah, no. wondering if it had, if you, uh, felt that as effective as I was, uh, that was yeah, as no, effective they, as I did. That they really nailed that. Like they, it, it allowed them to go through with that whole process and then go back. And it was a great recap, sort of, of the characters. Mm-hmm. And you know, they've gone through all of this stuff, and and even after all this time, even though they haven't seen each other, it, they were still brothers. And mm-hmm. um, it it cemented, I think, that idea that Noctis was a king. He he did, you know, complete that transition because he was at this point where he's sitting with his best friends 
and he's all like, okay, so I'm ready to die. I'm ready to do this. It's just really hard with all of you here. Yeah. Yeah. And it's just, man, that's, heavy. that's some serious stuff. It's yeah. like, cause uh, he's, he's in the campaign. He was so cool and aloof. And then yep. in this scene, like he's got that pure realness of, uh, actually admitting his feelings for just a moment. He's admitting yeah. that he's human. Well, not just, and it's funny. It's funny afterwards. Cause I was, I was doing all of the, the fishing stuff or whatever. And you're catching the fish and, you know, at one point, Prompto's like, you know, no, it's okay to show a little emotion. <laughs> it's like, yeah. And I was like, oh my God. Because <laughs> yeah. he's so like, cool. Yeah. When he's being the prince, he's being the prince regent. Um, mm. He's just so cool. In fact, I mean, he basically is the king at that point. Um, well, I mean, he's been the king this whole past 10 years, theoretically. I mean, you well, know, he's not I think been the marshal. coronated, so I suppose technically he's not, but. Right, but I mean, people have referred to him as the king in several yeah. instances. Um, but yeah, it just like at that point, it was so much that like he he had developed, um, and it was important to him that those people be there. And it, despite being painful, like uh, trying to, it, it just it's. It's awesome. <laughs> yeah, I think that was basically that's the payoff. Like, I that is. I really like a lot of Final Fantasy games, but I feel like this is that one scene encapsulates what it means to get the payoff at the end of an RPG. Like that, the journey yeah. meant something. It wasn't just get to ninety nine. It was right. something more than that. Right. Yeah, they, and I think that was them tying tying the bow at the very end and saying, you know, the, the story was not about saving the world. It was about this group of people. Yeah. You know, and they don't really show the, the, the world being saved because it's kind of not important in, in many ways. Um, yeah. It's like, that's what he did, but it's not who he was. I, yeah. And I, I never said something so profound. <laughs> yeah. yeah. And it's, it's interesting because it's like, I think they really nailed it. And I know some people didn't really care much for all of that kind of stuff. Mm-hmm. The characters didn't click for them or whatever, but it's like, you know, the first time when, when Gladio disappears and I'm like, I wonder what he was up to. And in each of these times, these, these people disappeared. And I was like, but I actually want to know what happened. to them. Like the, this is, you know, this story is about Noctis and his relationship to them. Mm-hmm. But what is, you know, like if you swap that around, what's it like to be Gladio, his relationship with the others, mm. and especially Noctis? You know, um, and I'm really interested in seeing what that's like, what what it means to Prompto, you know, to be part of that group. You know, yeah. I feel. Did so. you see? You saw Brotherhood, right? Yeah. Yep. Okay. I feel like that Prompto episode was. It's quite a good. Uh, in the chaos. Yeah, and it's like, well, where where are his parents? Oh mm. man, they explained that, didn't they? <laughs> <laughs> that was really awkward. The way they explained it, I think that was poorly written. But yeah. yeah, well, you know, I feel like yeah, they they did a poor job with that. Um, and they could have done a much better job. It was just like, well, you just came out of this chair, and boom, here's this big revelation. You know, yeah. it's like uh, we weren't actually here for you know the past three days of Prompto's life or whatever. Yeah. So. 
Um, that that was kind of very abrupt. Mm. But uh, what was I going to say? Mm. <laughs> well, so I think we can say that we've we were very positive on the story for the most part, even though it had definite issues. We the the main point of the story of the four of them did very well. Mm. Uh, one thing I wanted to ask you about was uh, it's in a similar vein to the ending. Um, so you asked, I mean, I basically you asked it, and I tried to answer it twice, and I failed twice. But about yep. the kings that had to kill Arden, um, yep. that came after Noctis sits on the throne and sacrifices himself. Um, yes. But how did you feel about the scene where he does sit? On, it's played out as a full FMV and really high quality uh rendering um the scene where he sits on the throne and sacrifices himself very painfully like you can see the torment yeah he's going through he sits yeah there. you can see him like gripping the sword mm. and... he puts yeah. his sword in the ground and like gripping it so tight like he's being stabbed a dozen times literally yeah um yeah and then the worst part was he does that and 12 huge guys in armor like seven foot Spartans basically stab him with his yeah. swords that are like buster swords, and yeah. um, they um the the part with the the father and he's like right trust me he's like uh, you've been st- he's been stabbed twelve times and then he hands a sword that he was holding to steady himself while his yeah. father was standing at his side and watching it all and he hands it to him and he says oh well, he doesn't say I mean it's all there in in the subtext that. You know, and you, like a two brute, uh, yeah. you need to stab me, the final one, and yeah. you're gonna kill me. And like a father that has to kill his own son is like nothing more yeah. tragic than that. Um, yeah, and he has and to do it because he knows that it's what he has to do. Yeah, and it, the the line is great, and I I don't remember if it's exactly this, but he says, "Trust me." Yes, and it's not you know, trust me that everything is gonna be okay. It's mm trust me that I can take this. <laughs> like, yeah. you, you, trust me that you will stab me and we will save the world. Yeah. You know, so it's not I, in I vain. can take this punishment, you know? It's like, I you can... have to make this great sacrifice because it's, it's going to be a sacrifice to him as well. You have to make yeah. the sacrifice for, and I'm going to follow through. Yeah. Um, so, yeah, that was fantastic. Um, See, there's so many things obviously... that are just, like, top level. Yeah, they did such a great job, and it's like, if they had another 10 years and yeah. however much money or whatever, but you know? If they'd I mean, done the proper build-up to the other scenes, those also could have been top-level. Right, and I mean, then it it, been, like I said, it could have been a true epic, yeah. you know? Um, just a, as a fun note, like, I, I enjoyed several of the nods to it being, like, a uh, Final Fantasy thirteen, you know, game. Um, not the least of which is that you have... Um, Noctis being night and lightning, which is not a pure representation of daytime or anything, but you've got her in the much lighter colors and him in the darkness. And they also call the light very often. Very often, yeah. Um, You have Noctis um, at the end sitting on that dark throne, and then there's the part where uh, lightning turns to crystal, Mm -hmm. um, similarly with her sword across her lap. Yeah. you know, there's there's a lot of dichotomies there. Even the um, I, I took a look at the uh, original Final Fantasy 13 trailer. Mm-hmm. Um, if you take a look at the soldiers in that, they look very much like the Magitek armors. Yeah. Um, 
So like there's there's all sorts of like little fun things in there. Um I did wonder where Odin was, why he wasn't one of the uh summons. Um maybe he was like off doing the the Final Fantasy 13 proper thing. I feel like um, no offense to Odin, but he's not of the same caliber as these uh, yeah. god-sized ones. Yeah. Um but yeah, so there's just a, a whole bunch of fun things in there and even the um sometimes literal things like hope uh, being in that particular game and the fact that they used very Latin-type things in um, 15. Or, mm. uh, oh, I just had a, another... Oh, the, the themes, like... Um, so you've got... Uh, Final Fantasy Thirteen is a story about, essentially, these two sisters, if you follow over the course of the three games. Um, whereas uh, fifteen is about brothers. Mm-hmm. Um, and then you have the... Uh, sort of the gods right in in 13 you have the the story of people fighting against the gods whereas 15 is about gaining the favor of the gods yeah to fight man um yeah uh to fight the darkness of man yeah Mm. um so it's just it's all got all sorts of fun little things in there um did you have any particularly favorite easter eggs um before we uh sign off because we've run really <laughs> we've run too far i need to ask you what you thought of the extra dungeons if you played them oh right uh my my feeling on them is a resounding uh, <laughs> but i really was not fond of them i know those are a slog i mean they're basically just like a combat test a trial oh, yeah. um, so yeah. it works if you it like sort of go dig deep into the con combat and that you basically use it as a trial on yourself as well as just trying to pass yeah, I, I mean, I, I did maybe the second or third one, and it was like 45 minutes. I was like, yeah, it's not worth that's my the time. Thing, they're, they're long trials. They're kind of like the ultimate weapons in earlier games. They're extra bonus stuff. Yeah, but at least those were interesting. Well, So I did. I probably, you know, muddled through that for like an hour, an hour and a half. Yeah, and I, I, stopped. I can forgive that. Yeah, that's, that's a very sensible to do but yeah, it was you probably missed one of the better ones in it uh which is did you ever see the side scrolling the side scrolling yeah so you didn't see it <laughs> no so i got to the wall i got to the skull wall uh-huh. um which oh yeah that was very impressive. impressive when you walk in there pretty impressive and, and interesting um but i i got like it got to be a little bit tedious because it's like if you fell once mm-hmm. then you may have to retread like two a minute or two's worth of platforming. Yeah. Um, And that happened several times. And I finally got to pretty much the end of that level and I fell twice. So it set me back a second checkpoint, Mm. like in rapid succession, I had fallen. And so it set me back an extra checkpoint and I had to go down and around and up and just to get back to where I was. Mm. And I was just like, you know what? That's, that's enough for me. Um, I did think it was interesting and it was fun, but Um, it just got to be too much. I'm not going to apologize. Uh, no, I'm not going to... Uh, what's the right word? I'm not going to redeem that dungeon because it does have huge faults. Um, yeah. But it's kind of cool, not for one, to see platforming, uh, like a platforming dungeon in Final Fantasy. Um, it does say a lot about how well the movement works in that game for the most part, that it actually was a very functional dungeon. I feel like the moving, like the actual quality of the platforming was 
pretty poor, but you work with the you work with how difficult. Oh, sure. It's like when you're playing Luigi. It's like you jump and you know you're going to slide, but it's not like Mario where you know where you're going to land. It's like you know you're going to slide, but you work with it. You make it work. Uh, it felt kind of like um, you take some other game that's not necessarily meant for platforming, like a, a Half-Life game or something. It felt like a platforming mod for a Half-Life game, mm. you know? Where there's a full it, it's obvious to... Yeah, yeah, exactly. It scaled way up. Mm. Um, yeah. um, but the other thing is that you, for one, you get to explore, like really figure out the route because there's no waypoint or like, breadcrumb trail that you follow. So you yeah. like kind of, Progress is your own. It's purely from playing and uh, discovery. And yeah. once you learn a route, like even if you fall, you can beeline it because you've actually understood it. Um, yeah. And in some rooms that works better than others. There's one where it's like rotating and it's a friggin' nightmare because if you fall, you can get set back a lot more than that and it's really difficult. That's, what, yeah. that's probably the breaking point, um, almost the breaking point for me and probably for most people, I would say. Um, yeah. but there's a brilliant room where it turns to side scrolling and you're moving through it's like a pinball not pinball like a marble maze and that's a brilliant like never seen that before in a Final Fantasy side scrolling yeah. platforming amazing um, definitely a nice bonus thing to have in there and you just uh, wouldn't I, expect it like that was yeah. so, so, that needs to be a secret because it's just so out of this world yeah it's it's perfectly done for what it is to be a nice little bonus extra for those that want to go out of their way and give it a try. Mm-hmm. But it's definitely not something you can hold against the game that it's not perfectly polished and mm-hmm. kind of a little clunky at times. Mm-hmm. I like that it unlocks shortcuts as you go. So if you, mm-hmm. I think you can go back and they'll be open. Certainly if you well, go back to the entrance while you're in there, then you can go back uh, yeah. quickly to where you were. There's actually fact one point much... near... Sorry, you go. Oh, I was just going to say that it just shows that, you know, like they put way more effort into that than I would have ever expected. And that's yeah. one of those things that just said, wow, they put a lot of effort into this. It's like those Assassin's Creed, um, like bonus areas where you can knock down a ladder here and suddenly you've got this shortcut that makes everything fit together beautifully. Um, there's yeah. a part near the end of the dungeon. I think it's actually very near the end. Um, you've gone through this whole gauntlet and then you come through and you've basically shortcut back to the start and, unlock this new area and everything is tied together like one perfect ribbon um yeah and then you you're like this is it this is the final gauntlet and you can no i mean it it is kind of because Uh you're like in the room that's next to the start but you've unlocked it now and you you can see like the goal because there's these like Mm -hmm. five doors that you need to open and um you do that and the item you get at the end is really good it's worth it. Yeah. Well, it's not worth it if you don't enjoy the dungeon, but it's it's good. It's like it's not like, oh, I did that, and all I got was a high potion. <laughs> and you get yeah. a really good accessory. Um, yeah, it seems. Yeah, and also being an accessory, it's not like it's gonna, not going to get replaced by anything. It's mm-hmm. best in class uh, for what it does. Um, yep. uh, Adamant toys? Yeah, I, I found it boring and kind of hard to hit stuff yeah whatever that's it was a, they should have made it better. yeah it was it was a very frustrating event uh, i thought the idea was good mm. i just the execution was not and the spectacle is worth as much Ab- I think. absolutely i think the spectacle absolutely. is most of its worth to be honest like once you actually go in for the fight it's kind of tough um but yeah pretty much did you ever platinum final fantasy 13 the first 
I platinumed well, so I mean, I played the first two parts on um, 360, but I completed all three parts of that game. So I, I got the 100 ah. percent on the first two and the platinum on later turns. Okay, so you remember the Adamantois or whatever it's called, Adamantois farming in the first of the trilogy? Uh, yes, I I do. You were in the like city or whatever doing yeah. that, right? And you have to yeah. fight this huge beast like a hundred thousand times. <laughs> Um, yeah. but as you get better at it you go from fighting it first time you fight it it takes like 10 minutes and it's the next time you tie, fight it it's like 30 seconds flat like yeah. you have you, you exactly start the moves and you just oh, yeah. smash Absolutely. it um, so Adamantos is kind of like that, that again you can fight mm. it for an hour and you can brute force it but once you get really good I've seen people do like 4 minute runs and that's wow. like you. And you remember the air 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 dance or air step whatever it was called mm-hmm. using that you can like air step and fight it die just like hit it and it's like it's like two yeah. two hits with the zwill crossblades two hits with the baumung and it's like he's swapping swapping in midair and dancing in the midair and it's like combat hmm. at that point it's like whoa i can't do that that's high level yeah. combat it's a ballet mm. um as a side note um one of the connections to final fantasy 13 this is a little bit tenuous um, but you, they showed this stuff in like when they were first showing off the game and it was the creatures that were standing in that lake with a really long neck, which also made it oh, yeah. into this game. They kind of reminded me of the, the, what was it? The Shalongui or whatever yeah, it was yeah. in Final mm. Fantasy 13. I, I feel like that was not a mistake. Um, <laughs> well, if you're not scared and you don't run away from them, then yeah. Did you ever do yeah. the prompto quest where you have to take a picture with them? No, I didn't. Oh, <laughs> I man, missed that one. See, so many, uh, camp quests you missed out on. Yeah, there's a wicked um, where well, if you wanted to do it, you can go straight to the camp and just do it. Yeah. Like but um, basically, you go up, you find a few items, and then you go pose in front of that thing. And probably mm-hmm. when most people do it, you'd be like low level. You don't stand a hope in hell of fighting that thing. Um, yeah. So you pose in front of it, and it's coming to you. And you're like, if this gets here, I'm going to get annihilated. So you have to wait. <laughs> you have to have the guts to wait. And do your pose at the last second that you dare, like if you dare. Yeah, it's like, oh, and that's the first time I did it, I pressed the button immediately and like knocked his like chickens out. He's like, hurry, hurry, take the photo! I'm getting the hell out of here. It's like, take the photo. <laughs> God, like, and the thing's miles away. And if you have guts, you can wait until it gets close. And like, you don't want to fight it if it bites right. you. Um, yeah, but yeah, that was like so many things. Yeah, camp quests. Um, there's one where you can take a photo with um, Cindy, like Prompto and mm-hmm. Cindy. If you do the dialogue choices right, like yep. they like hug, not hug, like they stand next to each other and take a photo. Uh, there's one where you can catch a legendary fish with Gladius, uh, Gladiolus. Mm-hmm. Um, there's like one where you go running on the beach with Gladiolus. There's one with Ignis where you like two where you like cooking with him in the morning. Yeah, loads of good stuff. <laughs> yeah. Um, yeah, it's filled with tiny little things like that. So that many, are just yeah. awesome. There's, yeah, yeah. There's so many little things that are not like, in a checklist for the platinum, but they're there. Um, yeah. Uh, so real quick, um, did you have any Easter eggs? Because I did make a list. Oh well, that's what I was trying to encapsulate there. Because you asked it earlier, I was keeping it in mind. Gotcha. Um, so I've I've got a huge, well, not a huge number. I've got about seven. Okay. Um, obviously, you've got Sid, which is you know a throwback. Uh, you've got. Did you see the the spiracorns 
Yeah. Which look very much like, what was it, Ixis or whatever. Uh, You fought very similar enemies in 10. Yeah. um, Which obviously takes place in Spira. Oh, I see. Uh, (laughs) Right. Um, And then uh, there was the guy that was sending you running around taking pictures. Um, Where? Vive. V-Y-V. Oh, yes, yeah. Uh, He he was in Lestalem, who is uh, uh, presumably a reference to Vivi. I'm not sure. So, right, maybe you wouldn't necessarily think that, but he's one of the few fat people in the entire game. Yes. He's he's overweight, a little bit shorter than normal. He's got a he's got a ponytail mm-hmm. on the back. Yeah. So he's got sort of that slightly raised top to him. Mm-hmm. Um and then he wears a uh he's wearing a shirt. He he works for um his magazine is Meteor, which is obviously a black magic spell right yeah um and then his shirt says live int int is an intelligence okay breathe yeah int is obviously important to magic mm. and then live vv literally means live i see so he is almost certainly supposed to be a reference to vv okay um yeah. you've obviously you've got biggs and wedge yes but biggs and wedge were on a train yeah yeah <laughs> um, they become the drivers yeah, yeah. So they they were once again on a train, mm-hmm. um, and then you've got uh, in the arena there was the and this is just a completely uh, team Gallahorn, which I don't know if it, if that's actually a thing that they're referencing or if they are referencing Destiny. I feel I like know. it's unlikely because Gallahorn is like a legendary it's a, thing from it's a horn, right? Okay, uh, so maybe that aside, but. If if you go near the grotto in the post game, mm-hmm. there is also a giant snake reptilian thing uh, that's called the Midgard Sorm, oh. and is clearly supposed to be a reference to the uh, snake in Final Fantasy VII. Okay, hmm. so just some fun little references. Mm. Oh, I was oh, thinking. Uh, Sorry, yeah, you go. Uh, just a quick thing, um, and I, I was thinking about Odin. In Final Fantasy Thirteen, and this is completely a side thing. Why? Why is Odin a horse? Uh, in which they don't have horses. Who? Where? Uh, have you ever seen a horse in a Final Fantasy game? Um, I guess not. Well, spiritualns, I guess. Yeah, I guess that's about as close they don't as you have get. But no... riding horses, I guess. Right. No domesticated horses. Hmm. Why isn't he a chocobo? Uh, yeah, I guess. Oh, that's why Does... they don't need horses, they have Jacobus. <laughs> yeah, right. Um, anyways. Don't so... telephone <laughs> Yeah, right. Um, I, the arena is one of the other cool things that people might never see. And mm. a lot of the hunts have mystery, um, targets, like very special targets. Like, yeah. um, there was one I thought, if something, like you go into one of the dungeons you've been in before and you go up to this wall and it's like a dead end and then, a surprise happens. I don't want to spoil it, but that was yeah. pretty cool. Hunt. Yeah, yeah. There's there's all sorts of fun stuff in there. Uh, lots of interesting hunts and mm-hmm. things. Uh, Plenty of reasons to keep playing after finishing. Yeah, yeah, absolutely. So good game, good game. That Final Fantasy. Um, so right. we've we've rambled, I think, quite a bit longer than we needed. You might to. need to make some cuts. We won't say how long we've recorded. I mean, I think it's tomorrow already. But <laughs> yeah, um, almost. Uh, so anyways thanks for joining us through all of that uh, I hope you ended up enjoying that 
Um, be sure if, you, if you've got friends that like Final Fantasy 15, obviously pass that along to your friends. Um, you can follow us on True Trophies. I'm at underscore brand foo. Remember, there's that uh, article, um, Should We Be Concerned About Mass Effect Andromeda? Um, I will post links to that and whatever beta registrations and all that stuff that I was mentioning earlier. Um, thanks for joining us, and we'll see you soon. Have fun. Bye-bye. See you around.